Good afternoon and welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community. Your host is Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. This hour is designed to inspire, inform, and to help you live better with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo. Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer, an internet radio show that focuses on informing and inspiring people to live well with cancer. I'm Linda House, the president of the Cancer Support Community, and I'm sitting in today for your regular host, Kim Tebaldo, from the Cancer Support Community, our CEO. The Cancer Support Community is a global nonprofit network of 175 locations, including Cancer Support Community and Gilda's Club Centers, healthcare partnerships, and satellite locations that deliver more than $50 million in free support services to patients and families each year. In January of this year, CSC also welcomed Denver-based nonprofit My Lifeline, a digital community that includes more than 40,000 patients, caregivers, and their supporters to become a part of the work that that we do. There have been a number of headlines over the last couple of years at the American Society of Hematology meeting, as well as other meetings, talking about new therapies called CAR T cells, C-A-R-T cells, and those are engineered T cells. And these new revolutionary approaches um, have, have really transformed the way in which some cancers are, are treated. Um, in particular today, we are going to talk a little bit about CAR T cells and the impact that it's had on a very special lady who has multiple myeloma. And I'd like to just go ahead and introduce you to Cherie Reinecker, um, who has been living with multiple myeloma for over five years and is participating in a clinical trial using this new treatment, and also Dr. Jesus Berdeja, who is the lead investigator of that study. Um, But first, we're going to meet Cherie. Cherie was diagnosed with multiple myeloma in 2012, and she is a passionate advocate for people living with the disease, dedicated to raising money for multiple myeloma research. She's the author of A Pilgrimage Without End, How Cancer Healed My Broken Heart, and is working on a second book, A Pilgrimage Towards health, keeping hope alive. Cherie lives in Southeast Texas with her husband and her daughter. Thank you so much for being with us today, Cherie. Thank you for having me, Linda. It's wonderful being here. And before we get started, let's just start with the most important thing. And you please tell us, how are you today? I am doing wonderful. I would not have thought that I'd be sitting here today And especially feeling as good as I am. I had been battling cancer for five years with chemo nonstop. And that had taken a tremendous toll on my body. And now for nine months, I have been off chemo. And I almost feel like I get to live as normal life as anybody else gets to. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing great. I did some yard work today, went shopping, visited with a friend. And I'm here talking to you right now. Nice. That's great. And you sort of walk our listeners back in time and tell us um, what were you first experiencing that led you to seek medical attention in the first place? Sure. So in uh, in January of 2012, I was working at a holistic health um, health clinic and I came down with the flu for the first time in my life. I was an extremely health conscious person 
and uh, I was diagnosed with the flu and it just didn't want to go away. It turned into something into my lungs, which they didn't really find out what it was, but I was walking around with low grade fevers. I started losing weight. Um, I started getting chronic, severe back pain. I was a massage therapist and I was self-treating myself with tennis balls that I would roll around on, going to chiropractors, acupuncturists, all that. Went to several doctors, uh, one who told me I had asthma. Um, others just took x-rays, didn't really know what it was, said no uh, CAT scan was necessary because insurance companies frowned upon that. And um, just started having severe fatigue, which was due to my anemia. Could barely walk up the stairs to my own apartment. And and so, so so how did you get to the point of of the the treatment that was chosen for you? Are you talking about the CAR T treatment or the for your diagnosis? Like. No, I kind of, I kind of want you to walk us through sort of your, you know, the symptoms that you had, you know, how they, you know, led you to treatment, you know, how did you make decisions okay. with your physician, uh, you know, and then, and then get us to the, to the CAR T piece as well. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so I was having all these symptoms and finally on November 3rd, 2012, I took my daughter who just turned seven to uh, a friend to play with and a friend of mine and I went to the ER and I said, I'm not leaving until you can tell me what's wrong with me. At mm-hmm. that point, they did a CAT scan. They did a whole bunch of blood tests. They hooked me up on uh, morphine IV. So I, I had a little less pain. And about two hours later, the doctor walked into the room and before he even looked at me or sat down, he said, well, you're severely anemic and you have cancer. Mm. And I was 44. My life turned upside down. I actually looked at him laughingly and said, ha ha, you're kidding. And he then looked at me and said, I don't ki- uh, joke around about stuff like that. Um. He, he told me I could not go home that night, that I had to stay and go straight to the hospital because the tumor had gone inside my spinal Court and they were afraid that it was going to impinge on my nerves to the extent that I would become paralyzed. They were surprised I was still walking. And um, through my tears, I said, I have to go home and I have to feed my seven-year-old and just tell her mommy's okay and everything. And so three days later, on a Monday, I actually walked into the ICU and they started doing all kinds of tests. And within about five days, I found out that I had an incurable yet treatable uh, cancer called multiple myeloma. Mm-hmm. And that and started the journey of active yes, treatment. Yeah. Yes, that, that started the journey with the typical uh, myeloma treatments, uh, you know, two uh, chemos with, together with uh, dexamethasone, a steroid, um, and fall, I did three different ones prior to my first stem cell transplant, um, hoping that that would get rid of most of the cancer. But um, before my first stem cell transplant, I still had 80% in my bone marrow. So I had very stubborn myeloma, my doctor called it. So I did one, and which brought it down some, but not uh, a lot. So followed with a second one, which still didn't get rid of it. So continued on with chemo, which worked for about a year, and then a tumor started popping up on my ribs that was actually, you could see through my T-shirt, 
that's when I went to Colorado to try uh, Rick Simpson um, cannabis oil, which didn't work. And um, then when I came back, I was put on the first immunotherapy that had come out. And that worked for about six months and went through several others. And last year, I did a um, fundraiser for my 50th birthday because I realized how important um, treatment or research was. And I had I was pretty much running out of options. So I was able to do that for my 50th birthday. And a week later, I reached the round wrong and I broke another rib. And uh, after that, my next checkup showed that the myeloma had gone out of control again. And my doctor was then suggesting a possible four different chemos. But my platelets and my, um, my white blood cells had taken such a beating over the years that they weren't good at all anymore. And I said, I don't want to do any more chemo. I had heard about uh, the CAR-T through actually a vice program, a news program on HBO. And uh, I had told my doctor at MD Anderson that I wanted to be the first on the trial whenever it came to MD Anderson. And unfortunately, it didn't, which took us on a long journey. So that's that's when I started to look uh, very actively into this uh, CAR-T trial. Mm-hmm. And so um, before we get really into the CAR-T trial, I want you to just spend a minute because you are very active in your advocacy work and especially helping people understand the importance of advocating for themselves. So I'd like for you just to spend a minute, um, you know, for our listeners who may be a little bit shy about that, uh, to speak about the, you know, the importance and how do you how do you generate the energy and the confidence to, to, to speak up? Sure, yes, I'd be happy to. So um, if you would have met me six years ago, you would have met an entirely different woman, much more introvert and shy. And uh, this is all the person I've become today is because of cancer, because of being misdiagnosed so many times, because I was assumed to be healthy based on looking at me. Uh, you know, I, I was a thin person, which is what society likes to see, you know, 44 years old, healthy diet, nobody ever took me serious. And so after the second stem cell transplant, I made my first YouTube with my hair, uh, no hair. And I, I wanted to inform both patients and doctors about multiple myeloma because I had never heard from it. And a lot of doctors have never heard from it. And so I wanted to spread awareness because I was diagnosed in the late stages and I wanted people to know what to look for so that nobody would ever have to be found out so late, like Katie Kirk had done with colon cancer awareness. That's what I wanted to do. It was just a passion about, you know, um, finding out sooner than, than I was found out. And so t- share, with, share with our listeners how you found and got into the clinical trial. Yeah, so the year before I got into the trial, I started looking around um, and there, was, there were two trials where you didn't actually have to physically go to. The rest all required you to go to. And there is a target on the myeloma called BCMA. And you had to have at least 50%. And I only have had 15. So one of the two clinics turned me down. 
and the other clinic um, didn't need me. So by the time I uh, I had relapsed in December of last year, I actually was put in touch with Brian McMahon from Sparks Cures. He is an amazing guy who lost his mother to multi-myeloma, and he had trouble finding trials for her, so he became very passionate about it, and now he puts uh, multi-myeloma patients together with uh, with with um, trials for them, knows what kind of medicine they've been on, what would not be useful for them and stuff. So he said that Sarah Cannon had a trial, and I thought Sarah Ken was an oncologist. I didn't realize it was a hospital in Tennessee. So I had also heard from another uh, myeloma advocate who was very passionate and kept pushing me because I was very sick at that time and didn't have the energy. And she kept telling me, Cherie, you got to keep fighting. You got to fight for your little girl. You got to push the doctors. And so um, it was through them that I found out that Sarah Ken had a, a, had a trial. Mm-hmm. And you reached out to the physician yourself. That's correct. Yeah, I, I knew that I needed my doctor to uh, refer me. So I went to my oncologist at MD Anderson, Dr. Olowski, and asked him to write a, a, a referral. And when he got a reply back from Dr. Berdeja, um, he copied me in it. So I got his email and I then, uh, I had written an article for myeloma crowd and patient power about dying to get into a trial because that's where I felt I was at. I was literally dying trying to get into this trial. So I wrote a letter. I wanted him to know me as a mother, a wife, a friend, an advocate. I didn't want him to just know me as a number, as patient number this, and she has these kind of, you know, cancer numbers. So that's why I did. And he responded the next day, thanking me for the letter. Oh, that's terrific. We are going to take a quick commercial break, and then we're going to pick up with the story as soon as we um, as soon as soon we come back. So our conversation with Cherie will continue. This episode of Frankly Speaking About Cancer is made possible through the generous support of Kite, a Gilead company, and also Novartis. Cancer Support Community is proud to be a partner of Magnolia Meals at Home, a new pilot program that aims to help patients by providing nourishing meals to households affected by breast cancer so loved ones can spend more quality time together. This program is currently available in and around two pilot cities, Andover, Massachusetts and Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey. Participants will receive one delivery of meals every month for up to six months when enrolled in the program. Each delivery includes up to seven meals designed to help meet the nutritional needs of people living with breast cancer and 10 meals for family members. This novel program is brought to you by the Azi Women's Oncology Program, Magnolia. Cancer Care, the Cancer Support Community, and Meals on Wheels Association of America. To find out if you or loved ones are eligible, visit online at www.magnoliamealsathome.com or call 617-733-5848. People living with breast cancer often find it difficult to ask for help, and many of the people in their lives want to help, but don't know how. During National Breast Cancer Awareness Month, Cancer Support Community is proud to support Meal Train, sponsored by Magnolia, which utilizes Mealtrain.com, a free shared online calendar 
to streamline the process of giving and receiving meals for families coping with breast cancer. Help us reach our goal of 1,000 new breast cancer-specific meal trains this October. To learn more, visit Mealtrain.com slash MMT and enter the code MAGNOLIAB or visit us at CancerSupportCommunity.org. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I am your guest host today, Linda House, and we are learning about a relatively new and exciting approach to treating a number of blood cancers um, in particular, although there are trials ongoing in other uh, types of cancer. But today we're talking about multiple myeloma and the utilization of CAR T cells, which are engineered T cells. And with us today is Cherie Roniker, who is a participant in a clinical trial and not only exploring this new treatment, but actually receiving and has received this new treatment. And I would like to just quickly thank the... um, the sponsors of our episode today, which is Novartis and also Kite, um, a Gilead company. And Cherie, when we left off for our commercial break, we were talking about um, how you found a clinical trial at um, Sarah Cannon, which, by the way, is Minnie Pearl's real name. <laughs> Just a little fun oh. fact for our <laughs> listeners. Um, that trial is 14 hours by car from your home in Texas. And so, you know, talk to us about, um, you know, how that factored into your decision to participate in the trial. Yeah, you are absolutely correct. I know 40, it's 14 hours because I've done it about six times back and forth now. So um, my husband had to continue working and being there for our now, uh, at that time, 12-year-old daughter. And um, I was unable to travel by myself at that point, was partially in a wheelchair. And uh, I had a neighbor across the street who had lost her young son to colon cancer just a couple of years earlier. And she had taken me back and forth to MD Anderson many times. And she said, I'm going to be here for you till the end because I want to make sure that there's not somebody else I love that is going to lose their fight. So... I have a long list of people I owe my life to, and she's one of them. And so the first time we went, we literally got up at 3 o'clock in the morning, 
with five pillows around me, um, you know, with my severe back pain from the tumor, uh, several blankets on top of me because I was cold all the time and uh, opioids every two, three hours. And we just took on the drive, uh, only stopping uh, to get coffee for her at a McDonald's. We had water and food in the car. And uh, that's how we drove that first time in, uh, in one shot. We went over there. Wow. And and tell us about your experience with the trial so far. Yeah. So when we got there and I met with the team and I met with Dr. Berdea, everything was great, wonderful team, an amazing doctor. And he said I was a good candidate. And after he left the room, I was told that I was number 30 something on the list. And I was completely devastated because I knew number 30 something wasn't going to do and uh, we had to go back home, got stuck in a snowstorm. That one-day trip turned into a three-day trip. But when oh we gosh. got home, when we got home, I um, got a call two days later, and they asked if I could come in. And somehow, I had gone from number 30-something to becoming the second uh, phase two trial at Sarah Cannon for this particular CAR-T trial. So uh, it took... Three more trips back and forth, and at the last time I stayed there uh, for six weeks, um, you know, and we started to trial. Wow. And, and, and I'd like for you, in the language that you use, to explain CAR T cell therapy to our listeners. Yeah, so. <laughs> For me, I have a couple of names for CAR-T. Uh, I say CAR-Terminator, as in Arnold Schwarzenegger, the Terminator. And to me, CAR-T are also the elves from the Lord of the Rings. And the way I came up to that, I, I'm, I'm a dreamer. I write books and, you know, I tell stories and stuff. And the week before I was uh, given back my CAR-Ts, I was very sick and very cold all the time. And all I wanted to do was lay in bed and I was watching a lot of TV. And the Lord of the Rings, I forget the name, uh, which episode it was, but it's where Legolas has to go into this town uh, by the river where the dragon is that they have to try and, and kill. And um, the orcs are there. And when Legolas comes out, he's such a handsome elf and actor, and he comes out and he takes his bow and arrow and he just shoots these orcs one after the other. And so I just enjoyed watching the movie. But the day that I received my uh, cartes, these people that were dressed in these big blue suits and you couldn't see their faces, kind of like the movie Outbreak with Dustin Hoffman, walked into my room and they had three little packages with this pure white kind of liquid, which were the car that they were going to put back in, um, in my veins. And when I looked at that, the pure, beautiful, white, possibly life-giving stuff that went in my arms, I thought about the elves and I thought how Legolas and his tribe of elves was being shot up through my veins and they were going to encounter my multiple myeloma, which I saw as these ugly, nasty, slimy elves. And they were going to, um, you know, shoot them one by one and kill them all. And that's exactly what happened in my case. And so let's, let's just take a minute again for our listeners to get a sense of the process of the CAR-Ts so that they know kind of what you're talking about. So the CAR-Ts were, so your T-cells were harvested. Yes. 
They were harvested uh, a month. Uh, so it takes a month from mm-hmm. when they're harvested to when they're put back into your body. And when you get sent home, you are allowed to do what's called bridge therapy, uh, chemotherapy, but it has to stop. And it's a tricky time because, you know, right now where they are with the study, they're using very um, myeloma patients who've had at least seven previous uh, types of treatments. I've had 13 different ones, prior lines of treatment. And uh, so I need a bridge therapy because the cancer was quickly getting out of control. Unfortunately, it didn't work. I did radiation and chemotherapy. And, uh, and then I had to go back. Then you're given three days of, I believe it's called lymphodepletion uh, chemo, three days in a row. And that's to kill all your leftover cartilage our T cells so that when they put in the new CAR T's, they won't get killed off by your own body's immune system and they will have free range. So we were given the weekend off and then on Monday, they uh, accessed my port in case for an emergency and it took them seven times to access my arm to find a vein because they've been destroyed over the five years that I received chemo. Uh, to be able to put the CAR-T in. And then they monitor you very, very closely in the hospital for two weeks. Um, and I I think you'll be talking to my doctor who will explain to you more the technical terms of that. But it, it was a rough first week. It was especially rough for me because throughout my journey, nausea has always been my number one thing that happens to me. And the night that they gave me, they gave it to me two in the afternoon. And that night I lost my dinner, my lunch and my breakfast and ended up inhaling some of my vomit. And so on top of it, I ended up with pneumonia. Um, And then the fever started and my body swelled in places where tumors had been and my whole spine was pulsating, which they were giving me a lot of morphine. So most of that week, I can't really remember, um, you know, which is a good thing. But once Mm -hmm. I got out of that week, um, I went from feeling absolutely not good to starting to walk, wanting to take a shower, you know, walking two rounds, the next day walking five rounds, then 10 rounds, and it's just been uphills from there. So for those that are afraid of trials and have been in stem cell transplants, for me personally, the two stem cell transplants I went through were a lot worse because the lingering nausea and fatigue for me were much worse than what it was for the CAR-T. Mm-hmm. And I think we should we should we should talk about the the fact that the CAR T cells go to the tumors, and that was some of the swelling that you had. That exactly. You yes, and I only heard about the cytokine for as far as fevers, but where I'd had that uh, tumor uh, on my rib that I told you a couple nights later, all of a sudden it became so painful and it got swollen, and so it was really there. Apparently, was still myeloma in, and so as as negative as you as bad as you can feel it's actually a good thing I perceived it as a good thing and then my tailbone started throbbing and the throbbing went all the way up my spine and I really realized that my terminator cells and my elves were in there doing the job that they were supposed to and you know it wasn't it wasn't easy um which the whole journey hasn't been easy but it you know i got through it and um it's it's given me nine months of chemo free uh wonderful life so far and i was gonna say and how are how are your tests showing now 
I had a test done um, last, no, two weeks ago. I had uh, a test done and I was nervous as I always am. And Dr. Bidet had just emailed me on 7 December, which is when I turned, I was lucky enough to turn 51. Um, people have said I'm, I'm the, I'm the, They've never met a woman who's so excited about growing old as I am, oh. <laughs> but it just means I'm still here. And on my birthday, he actually apologized for taking so long because he'd been at ASH and um, he said, everything's still clear, no myeloma detected. So as of the 7th, I'm still completely, as I like to say, cancer-free versus in remission. Oh, Terrific. Terrific. And we have just um, a couple of minutes left, and I want you to talk to our um, listeners about, number one, where can they find you and information about you? I know you mentioned your YouTube. You've mentioned, um, we've mentioned your book, and then you're also working on another book. So just take a, take a minute or two and tell us um, about, you know, that work and where our listeners can find you. Sure. Yes, I'd be happy to. So I have a website. It's www.sheree, C-H-E-R-I-E, Roniker, R-I-N-E-K-E-R.com. That has, I've been in the newspaper. I've been on TV. I've done uh, a lot of YouTubes, but there's some on there. There, You can purchase my book there and you can see the entire Carti, you can download my entire Carti um, story, which I downloaded as a, which I wrote as an article. Um, my book, my uh, cancer, how cancer healed my broken heart is about the cancer, but it's also a lot about overcoming a difficult childhood. And that's where how cancer healed my broken heart comes in um, and takes the reader through that. And then my second book, um, it's not coming along as fast. I hope to have it done by the end of this year. And the reason it's not is that I'm busy living now. I had <laughs> five months that I t- I wrote my first book in five months and then published it four months later. So it's actually, I call it my third child because it took uh, the gestational period was nine months. Uh, this one is taking a little bit longer, but um, keeping hope alive, I think ho- hope and purpose is what is so incredibly important to make life uh, you know, meaningful, at least to me. And so in the second book, I talk about the trial and I talk about the rest of the journey and I talk about what cancer has taught me, what life has taught me, what especially difficult um, experiences in my life, uh, difficult relationships, you know, uh, a failed marriage, children. Uh, I, I, I'm an avid, I love doing yoga and I actually uh, teach it privately to people and I'm still conscious eater. So uh, how to eat consciously and live consciously and be appreciative and show gratitude and, um, you know, all those kinds of the things that I did prior to having cancer and that kind of were robbed of me today. I practice reflexology again. So I massage people's feet and uh, below the knees and, uh, you know, all the things that I love to do in a room, I now get to do more in open setting on Facebook where you just can find me under my name, Sheree Roniker. I don't even know what my tweet handle is, but probably, (laughs) oh, it's it's at uh, myeloma author. You can find me. Um, I don't, uh, most of my Facebook stuff goes on 
Twit, uh, go straight to Twitter, but really you can find me on Facebook. I always Great. make myself available for private messages and stuff because I want to pay it forward. Those that were there for me during my journey, I want to be there for others because this is a difficult disease. No, absolutely. And one more time, just give us your website. My website is just my name, Cherie Roniker, C-H-E-R-I-E-R-I-N-E-K-E-R. Thank you. And Cherie, thank you so much for being with us today and sharing your experiences, your optimism and your empowerment and so much is an inspiration to us. And, you know, I just want to take a quick opportunity to invite you and also our listeners to also make your voices heard through the Cancer Experience Registry, which is an online research study of the cancer support communities. And it really helps us elevate the voice of the patient to policymakers, to lawmakers. It helps us know what type of educational resources to produce. So it's really an important, uh, an important vehicle. We do have a specialty registry focused on multiple myeloma. And again, to join that, the uh, web address is www.cancerexperienceregistry.org. And we have to take a quick commercial break where we will come back and be joined by your physician, and Sheree, I think you're going to uh, to also listen in. So thank you so much. And this is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. We will be right back. Cancer. It's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you at Breakaway from Cancer, created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. Cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Magnolia Meals at Home, a new pilot program that aims to help patients by providing nourishing meals to households affected by breast cancer so loved ones can spend more quality time together. This program is currently available in and around two pilot cities, Andover, Massachusetts and Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey. Participants will receive one delivery of meals every month for up to six months when enrolled in the program. Each delivery includes up to seven meals designed to help meet the nutritional needs of people living with breast cancer and 10 meals for family members. This novel program is brought to you by the Azi Women's Oncology Program, Magnolia. Cancer Care, the Cancer Support Community, and Meals on Wheels Association of America. To find out if you or loved ones are eligible, visit online at www.magnoliamealsathome.com or call 617-733-5848. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, 
The Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the healthcare process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm Linda House. I'm sitting in for our regular host, Kim Tebaldo. And as I've mentioned, this episode is made possible thanks to the generous support of Kite, a Gilead company, and also Novartis. And for these last two segments, I am so pleased to welcome, as we heard Cherie say wonderful things about her physician, Dr. Jesus Bodea, to the show to talk about CAR-T cell therapy. And we have heard that the um, early results have been extremely encouraging to patients. And, you know, Dr. Bidea, I know, just got back from um, the ASH meeting. And so let me tell you quickly about him, and then we'd like to hear more from you, Dr. Bidea. So you are the director of myeloma research at the Sarah Cannon Research Institute, and you're a partner of Tennessee Oncology. You are certified you're a certified diplomat for um, in internal medicine, medical oncology, and hematology by the American Board of Internal Medicine. You are an active researcher, and you've been the principal investigator on a number of um, trials relating to the management of multiple myeloma, lymphoma, and other hematologic malignancies. So for our listeners, liquid tumors or tumors of the blood. Um, you are a member of the International Myeloma Working Group, the International Myeloma Society, the Multiple Myeloma Research Foundation, the American Society of Clinical Oncology, the American Society of Hematology, the Clinical Trials Myeloma Intergroup Committee, and the Center for International Blood and Marrow Transplant Research Plasma Cell Working Group. You are a very busy man. <laughs> it's, it feels that way sometimes, but it's, it's not bad. <laughs> Well, thank you for, for, for all you're doing. Um, I'd like to just step back, and we have heard the way in which Cherie, you know, has described her CAR T cells um, and, and that treatment and some of the symptoms, but we really haven't um, heard a very simplistic definition of multiple myeloma. So could you start with that for our listeners? Yeah, sure, and, and thank you for having me, and thank you, Cherie, for, for actually making this possible. Um, but uh, multiple myeloma is actually the second most common uh, cancer of the blood. And it's a cancer that actually arises out of one of the cells in your immune system called the plasma cell. And the plasma cell are the cells that make your antibodies. So when you're fighting off infections, for example, the plasma cells make these antibodies. So what happens is one of these cells becomes malignant. That cell reproduces, and all of the cells that come from that start making the exact same antibody, and that often is the protein that can be detected in patient's uh, uh, blood. And so how is, 
it diagnosed? Um, it is diagnosed through various uh, methods, uh, but uh, oftentimes, you know, patients do not have any symptoms, and they go to, for a routine laboratory examination, and they're told that their protein is elevated. So then you start investigating further, and you find that the protein in question uh, is, is an abnormal protein. Uh, and then most patients go through more blood tests and uh, some x-rays, uh, but eventually you need a bone marrow biopsy to make the diagnosis. Okay. And um, it's best, typically, if a patient sees somebody who has a specialty like you do in blood cancers to help, you know, read all those results and, and interpret those, correct? Uh, yes. So, so normally, their primary care doctor or one of their doctors can detect the abnormality, but it's, uh, it's an oncologist that, uh, that does the, the workup that leads to the diagnosis. And so for multiple myeloma, um, I know that there have been a number of of new treatments over the last, what I would say, six or seven years. Um, So tell us what now, for a person who's newly diagnosed with multiple myeloma, what is really the first route of of option for them? Um, Actually, this is is a continuously changing uh, paradigm. Uh, One of the things that we have been... Uh, very fortunate in myeloma is really over the last 10 years, we've had an explosion of new therapies. And as those therapies come in, they often are tested uh, as patients have exhausted some of the other therapies. But as they start to become FDA approved, they start moving earlier and earlier in the course of therapy. Uh, so so patients may be given different options based on, on particular characteristics of their myeloma. But for the most part, uh, patients get treatment with a three-drug combination uh, that often includes a steroid, uh, a type of drug called a proteasome inhibitor, and another type of drug that is called an imid. Uh, and those three drugs usually do a very nice job of controlling the disease for patients who are otherwise healthy. Uh, also, uh, a, an autologous stem cell transplantation is then incorporated into their therapy, uh, and then they go on what we call maintenance, a low dose of one of these drugs to maintain that remission. And so tell us about clinical trials, and when would a clinical trial fit into the equation? So clinical trials are important at any aspect of the disease. Um, Again, this is a disease that unfortunately is not curable yet, and so all of the advances that have been made over the last 10 years are because of uh, patients like Cherie that that, uh, go on clinical trials uh, and help us uh, improve uh, the care of, uh, of all patients. So there are clinical trials uh, from the very, at the very time of diagnosis throughout uh, the, the lifespan of the disease. And so if the trials are available, it is important that patients consider these. Most of the trials, especially early on, would include at least a standard of care plus perhaps a new medication or a combination that is felt to be more potent in a different setting, trying to potentially replace what we do now. So, uh, again, if, if, if clinical trial is available, you should always consider it. And so for our listeners, if they are, you know, at any point in their current cancer journey, they should feel comfortable having a conversation with their treating physician about clinical trials um, at any point in time. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think, I think there's a lot of... Um, um, I think a lot of people are scared sometimes of clinical trials. They feel like they're uh, being experimented on, they could, that they're guinea pigs. Uh, but the truth is, uh, you know, a frank discussion with your doctor, I think, will help allay a lot of these fears. Obviously, 
someone with multiple myeloma would, should never be offered a placebo by itself because it requires therapy. So, so I think that's what a lot of people are afraid of. Now, there are some placebo-controlled trials that usually mean that you get the standard therapy, which is what you get outside a clinical trial, uh, and some of the patients will then get a placebo on top of that versus a new medication. But you should be receiving at least the standard of care in any clinical trial uh, that has standard options. So you should never okay. be scared about not getting adequate therapy. Right. So you will get whatever would be available plus a, you know, a, plus a potential new agent. Great. Correct. So I'm going to ask you the $50 million question for this show. And again, Cherie talked about her definition and how she visualizes CAR T cells. Again, at a fifth grade science fair type level, what are CAR T cells? So, so CAR T cells are actually very, very cool things. So our immune system has many different facets, and one of them is your T cell immune, immune part of the system. And so that is usually the cell that normally should be going after cells or after viruses. So in theory, none of us should develop cancer. Our immune system should be able to detect an abnormal cell and kill it. But unfortunately, uh, what happens is our immune system becomes tolerant and somehow misses that cancerous cell and it's allowed to develop. So the immune cells or the T cells are no longer fighting the cancer. So one of the ways to try and combat that is to actually take these cells out and infuse new DNA into them that forces them to express a new receptor uh, that can now identify the cancer cell of choice. And so the receptor is called a chimeric antigen receptor or a CAR. So these, new, so these T cells now have a new receptor called CAR, so they're called CAR T cells. Once you have these cells that have this antenna that, to go after the cancer, you reinfuse them back into the patient, and as soon as they go in, as soon as they see that protein on the cancer cell, they will go and attack and kill. So you're basically almost forcing your T cells to kill the cancer. Great. I'm going to hold on to that thought for one second. We have got to take a commercial break, and then we're going to repeat this again um, for our listeners to make sure that it's crystal clear um, to them. So for our listeners, please don't go away. This is really cool stuff, and we will be right back after this quick break. Cancer. It's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices. I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you at Breakaway from Cancer, created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. Cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Magnolia Meals at Home, a new pilot program that aims to help patients by providing nourishing meals to households affected by breast cancer so loved ones can spend more quality time together. This program is currently available in and around two pilot cities, Andover, Massachusetts and Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey. Participants will receive one delivery of meals every month for up to six months when enrolled in the program. 
Each delivery includes up to seven meals designed to help meet the nutritional needs of people living with breast cancer and 10 meals for family members. This novel program is brought to you by the Azi Women's Oncology Program, Magnolia. Cancer Care, the Cancer Support Community, and Meals on Wheels Association of America. To find out if you or loved ones are eligible, visit online at www.magnoliamealsathome.com or call 617-733-5848. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaides, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the healthcare process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to the last segment of this incredible program on CAR T-cells. And um, I am Linda House. I'm your guest host. And Dr. Padeja, i I really would love for you to summarize what you just said in terms of what CAR T-cells are, because I think it's just such an important concept for people to understand, and uh, you did such a beautiful job in describing them. Uh, so, again, CAR T-cells are, are basically your own T-cells, which are the cells that should be getting rid of abnormal cancerous cells, but they are not doing it on their own anymore. So it's a way to basically take these cells, infuse new DNA that forces them to express a new receptor called a chimeric antigen receptor. This receptor now makes these T cells hone back to that cancer. So when you give them back to the patient, these T cells now can go directly to those cancer cells and kill them. So you're basically teaching the T cells how to fight cancer once again. That's terrific. And so talk to us about uh, some of the media coverage. And I know that you just got back from ASH. I also just got back from ASH. And for our listeners, the American Society of, of Hematology. And, you know, what are some? What was some of the buzz at ASH about CAR-Ts this year? 
There's actually incredible buzz, uh, Ash, about CAR T-cells um, in myeloma alone. Because remember, there are CAR T-cells that are being developed in all different types of cancers, uh, mostly in the blood cancers, but even some of the solid tumors. But in myeloma alone, there were nine oral presentations on nine different types of CAR T's. So again, there's been an explosion uh, of, of these types of therapies and a lot of excitement, and, uh, and all of them are reporting uh, excellent results. And are they available on the market, or are they all still in clinical trials? How do people get access to them if they think that they are qualified? So there are CAR-Ts that are not available on the market for patients with a certain subtype of lymphoma and also for a certain subtype of uh, acute lymphocytic leukemia. Uh, having said that, there still are many clinical trials and new CAR-Ts being developed that are only found on clinical trials for those diseases. For multiple myeloma, all there are no FDA-approved uh, CAR-T products at this time. So the only way for a patient with multiple myeloma to, to be treated on CAR-Ts is through a clinical trial. Okay. And so let our listeners hear from you about clinical trials. And... Um, you know, how, how, would they, how would they find out about you? How would they understand if the trials would be important to them? What is sort of, from the lens of a physician, what is sort of the, the best approach? Well, I think, I think the best approach is always to ta- ask your doctor specifically about clinical trials that may be available to you. Uh, if your doctor uh, cannot uh, or, or you prefer to go other routes, uh, there are many patient advocacy groups uh, that can help with this as well. Uh, the Multiple Myeloma Research Foundation and the International Myeloma Foundation, for example, uh, have websites that, uh, that are very proactive in terms of pairing patients and, and directing them to clinical trials and research that may be available closer to home. Um, but, uh, you know, in terms of getting to specifically for these CAR-T trials, uh, again, it's important to... Uh, to, to ask and to find out uh, where the trial is open because, you know, many of these trials are open at many different places throughout the country. And the good news is that unlike when Cherie was looking for trials where they were very limited in terms of where they're being conducted, now as the trials are becoming larger, uh, they're enrolling more patients and more CAR T-cells are being developed, uh, the trials are actually opening up in many more centers. So, so hopefully most people will have a more local uh, uh, possibility of enrolling on one of these trials. Mm-hmm. And, and talk to us about the work that you're doing. You know, we've heard so many wonderful things about you um, as a person and what you've been able to do for Cherie. You know, talk to us about the work that you do at, at, at Sarah Cannon and some of the trials that you have ongoing and sort of what is, what's next for you? What's the next big thing? So, um, so I, I've been, you know, very, very lucky that uh, I, I got, I came into this very early on, uh, and um, uh, so there are several CAR T trials uh, that are ongoing, uh, not just in the current generations, but as with anything else, uh, there are, as we learn more about CAR Ts and what could potentially make them fail, uh, there are new CAR Ts being developed that. Uh, that hopefully will overcome those. And so sort of the next generation CAR-Ts we are opening trials on, which are very exciting. But there's also this other particular 
uh, treatment called uh, a bite or a bispecific uh, antibody, uh, which is a little bit different from a CAR-T, but in a way it's, it's very similar in that it also uh, can allow a redirection of the immune system, particularly the T-cells, uh, and basically again, force it to go after cancer, and it can be done in a very different way. And so these therapies are being developed, and so we have several uh, trials with these bispecifics as well, which are complementing the CAR-Ts very nicely. Uh, but it's been, uh, it's, it's been wonderful to be able to participate uh, with all these incredible uh, new therapies. Well, and I'm, I'm going to call you out a little bit on the bispecific antibodies because I also heard some of the data from the studies at, at ASH. And so explain those a little bit more. So by specific, they have two targets. Is that Yeah, so uh, no, you're, you're correct. Um, so basically, you know, antibodies are used in, in, in most every cancer. And so the idea behind an antibody is that the antibody binds to a particular target on, on the surface of a cell in particular a myeloma cell, for example, and then that antibody tags the cell and awaits for your own T cells to go after it and kill through the antibody. But as we talked before, uh, patients with myeloma often have deficient T cell activity. So the bispecific antibody basically has two targets or two heads, I call it, and one binds to the myeloma cell and the other one binds to the T cell. And by binding to the T cell, it activates that T cell and it brings it in proximity to the myeloma cell. That T cell now is activated, sees the bound antibody to the myeloma uh, cell, and it kills it. And so, uh, again, it's, it's sort of another way to, to force uh, those T cells to go after the cells they seem to be ignoring. Mm, that's terrific. And I love those, I love those advancements. Um, I just want to um, end our show today by thanking both you and Cherie for being here uh, with us. I'm, I'm an oncology nurse. I didn't disclose that in the beginning, but I worked in oncology for close to, to, to 30 years. And to just hear you talk about the technology and the advances and to talk to Cherie, um, to hear about, uh, you know, something she said is that the that her, her writing of her second book is going slower than she had planned because she's living her life, you know, and, and going from, you know, where she had limited mobility to really living her life um, is, is remarkable. And again, thank you for all that you're doing for her and for other patients to, to, to continue to advance the science in this really meaningful way. I'm going to end our show by just reminding our listeners that the cancer support community provides a multitude of in-person, online, and telephonic support. For more information about our programs, and I will also say that we can help you find a clinical trial and certainly put you in touch with Dr. Videa or and or Cherie, you can visit our website at cancersupportcommunity.org or call our helpline at 888-793-9355. And again, to join the Multiple Myeloma Cancer Experience Registry, that is www.cancerexperienceregistry.org. Until next time, be well, do well, live well.
Thank you for joining us for Frankly Speaking About Cancer with your host, Kim Tibaldo. We're here for you every Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. In the meantime, stay connected online at cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. support 